Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Governor Eric Greitens delivered his second State of the State address last night, but that is not what people are talking about today. After the speech, Greitens and his wife admitted that he had an extramarital affair before he became governor. There was an immediate call for his resignation. We had expected to analyze the State of the State address on today's program, and we will, but this story is overshadowing that speech. Joining me in studio is Jason Rosenbaum, political reporter, and by phone, State House reporter Marshall Griffin in Jefferson City. Thank you, gentlemen, for being with us. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Marshall, let me begin with you. What's the buzz down there this morning after what we learned last night? Oh, the, the buzz is, it's as, it's as if the State of the State address didn't happen last night. Um, this is this is dominating all the talk in the hallways, uh, pretty much everything everything, um, everything of, that constitutes the business of government uh, right now is focused on this uh, story that broke last night. Uh, the Missouri House uh, was scheduled to uh, take up a lobbyist gift ban bill uh, and actually uh, final, give final debate to it, pass it, and send it over to the Senate. Instead, the House uh, convened for five minutes and adjourned until next week and uh, canceled its uh, press availability and uh, and basically are, are keeping mum. The uh, Senate was in session for roughly an hour, and all they did was uh, discuss a uh, letter that Senator Doug Leibla is going to send to the Attorney General asking for an investigation into whether any laws were broken uh, by the uh, governor or before he was governor um, uh, based on the uh, allegations of the affair. So just to be clear on this, uh, the, the schedule is disrupted basically because of this information about the affair last night? I'm sorry, could you ask that again, Don? Yeah, I want to be clear on this. Uh, has the uh, legislative session been disrupted now and uh, sessions delayed primarily or solely because of the information that came out last night? Um, I would say officially no, but unofficially yes. I mean, the, the, I th- the regular business uh, came pretty much came grinding to a halt today. I mean, like, like, uh, mainly Todd Richardson's goal, his goal was to get the, uh, the lobbyist gift ban bill to the Senate, not just this month, but this week. And uh, that's been derailed. So that's, that, that's one of his high goals for, uh, for early and mid-January uh, is not going to happen because of uh, this news that is broken. Well, let me turn to Jason Rosenbaum now. Jason, you've been on the phone, working the phones, as they say, this morning. What have you been hearing? Um, I've talked to both Republicans and Democrats. Um, they're not pe- most of them are people that don't like the governor already. And I think that there is a, a sentiment that if even more stuff breaks, there's no other choice but for the governor to resign. Um, one of the themes that I've been following for the past year the fact that this governor does not have a particularly cordial relationship with the GOP-controlled legislature. He came into office railing against, quote-unquote, career politicians. And then when he came into office, when it was required those same politicians are needed to pass his agenda, he continued to attack some of them. I think that the people that Marshall just mentioned, uh, Doug Leibla, Gary Romine, uh, Rob Schaff of St. Joseph, have been personally attacked by a a politically active nonprofit that doesn't disclose its donors that's connected to the governor. So that clearly engendered some some ill will among those people and also others. So you're not seeing a lot of people stand up and defend him. And in even though the the, the story which I'm sure we're going to talk about right now is under question from a certain journalistic perspective. 
I think people, by and large, are incredibly disappointed, saddened, and angered that the governor admitted to being unfaithful to his wife before he was elected. Yeah, you you talk about uh, the potential for resignation. The, the timing is is really um, awful for the governor right now. I mean, we have this national debate going on about sexual abuse in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned the tension between the governor and the Republicans. There's going to be a lot of pressure put on this guy to, to step away. And the pressure is because not necessarily that he had an affair. And I, and if he had – he admitted that he had an extramarital affair before he mm-hmm. had governor. And that that should bring in deep questions about his character and his decision-making process. The thing that is getting people especially upset is the other part of the KMOB story where the woman involved who was taped, I believe, without her consent by her ex-husband, said that Greitens took a photo of her in a compromising position and threatened to blackmail her into not revealing the affair. I want to be very clear here. The woman has not confirmed any of this. She declined to comment to KMOV. There were other news outlets that were pursuing this story that did not run with it because they could not get the woman involved to talk or confirm some of the details that were on this tape. I'm not saying that what is on that tape is is false or inaccurate, but the woman herself hasn't said that, hasn't talked about this. And I think that there are some people in the journalistic world who are bringing that up that she should have been allowed to tell this story, and, and, and it's being done by the ex-husband. And we should point out the governor has denied any any, any of this blackmail part of and the story. And that was the other thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. His attorney has forcefully denied right. that he that, that, that Greitens was involved in any blackmail. So that needs to be emphasized, that they're not disputing the fact that he was unfaithful to his wife. They are heavily disputing the blackmail part. Marshall, uh, turning back to you, the the only uh, legislator that I've heard from that has actually called for the governor's resignation is Jamila Nasheed. Uh, have you heard that uh, from anyone else? Well, actually, yes. Uh, Brandon Ellington, the um, uh, Democrat from Kansas City and the uh, the former chair of the uh, Missouri Legislative Black Caucus, has also called uh, for Greitens mm-hmm. to resign. Uh, no Republicans that I've heard of, of so far have, have called for him to resign, although, um, as as uh, Arnie mentioned, uh, Senator Romine has said, if this proves to be true, then he should um, resign. Uh, but let me bring up another word. The uh, the I word has uh, already been brought up uh, in the hallways, that, of course, being impeachment. Um, the Missouri Times has already published an article about, well, what? how does uh, someone go about impeaching a governor or any other um, uh, officer uh, in the state of Missouri? And it uh, just basically lays out uh, what happens. But if if that were to come about, and I, at this point, I think that would be, I don't think the chances are very good, but if, just in, just in a, a scenario of what would happen, um, the House, the Missouri House would be the ones that would, uh, that would, uh, br- that would vote on bringing about um, an impeachment article, and if that were to happen, then the trial would be held uh, by the Missouri Supreme Court. Have, have you in the past weeks or perhaps even months been hearing these whispers that Jason has alluded to about uh, the, the possibility of the governor having um, had an affair? Uh, not not really. Um, but, I mean, there's there's always rumors of something, you know, something of that nature going on here at the Capitol. And so, you know, yeah. at, at some point it's just 
well, yeah, sure. You know, there's, you know, this is a state capitol building. You know, who and we we all know about the uh, the the culture of the the capitol that uh, we've got um, a negative negative exposure back when uh, John Deal and uh, Paul Lavota both resigned from the legislature. So, I mean, that that climate uh, still exists, and uh, there seemed to be an impression that maybe things were getting a little better because of the of you know, the the attention that uh, those scandals brought. Um, but I, I think this one caught a lot of people by surprise. Jason, uh, not everybody. Um, I, I had heard these rumors weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I had done a little bit of cursory talking about it, but I hadn't done a huge amount of reporting. I'll be—I just want to be honest mm-hmm. with our listeners. Yeah, this is not something that this has been something that has been talked about to reporters for a long time, and. But it, it's a difficult thing to pursue when, the as I mentioned, as I mentioned before, the St. Louis Post Dispatch and the Casey Star also had heard this, and I believe that they did pretty much everything KMOB did. But they decided not to run with the story because they could not talk to the woman involved, or the woman wouldn't talk. And I, I think that that is an important consideration. Um, it, it's it's not meant to excuse the behavior or say it's not a story. I just think that there has to be some pretty exhaustive journalistic digging on this to make sure that you don't run into a situation where you have people making an allegation it turns out not to be true. Like, we have to be very careful. We, we can hear stuff, sure. but that doesn't mean we necessarily, like, run a story just on what we hear. You've got to do a little bit of cursory work. So, one, one source with a grudge does not necessarily a, a story make. I, I, I mean, but it, it turned out because the governor – said that he, he did have an extramarital affair. Um, but again, his attorney is denying the charges of blackmail. All right. Then the next big question is, we're going to be taking a break shortly, is um, the political future of Eric Reitens. We've used the, the impeachment word and we've used the resignation word, but I'm thinking in terms of beyond the governorship. He has national political ambitions or had. It, it depends on what happens next. I mean, there are clearly presidents who have been able to withstand having extramarital affairs, uh, you know, but I, I think it just depends on what happens in the next few weeks. And I will just also add, because I know we want to talk about policy later, that there is a big policy difference if Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson becomes governor on a number of fronts. One of the things that Governor Greitens engineered was halting low-income housing tax credits which is a popular incentive meant to cultivate housing for uh, low-income and elderly people. And it's also an incentive that a lot of people count on in the banking, development, and syndication world. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. So if if Eric Greitens is no longer governor and Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson becomes governor and he is a big proponent of low-income housing, that that's a big change from what's happening now. And there's a lot of people that probably who are hoping that happens because they have a lot of money on the line. We'll get back to this in just a moment. We have to take that break. Uh, I have Jason Rosenbaum with me in studio talking about uh, Governor Eric Greitens and the affair that uh, he has had uh, three years ago, which was reported last night. And Marshall Griffin is with us in Jefferson City. When we come back, Joe Manis, political reporter, will join us as well. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Hello again, and welcome back as we continue our conversation about the goings-on in Jefferson City in the last uh, 12, 14, 20 hours or so, whatever like, it's been. Seems like a million hours at this point. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long night. And uh, we are joined now by political reporter Joe Manis. Uh, she is in Jefferson City. Uh, Joe, glad we had an opportunity to talk to you. Um, give me uh, your thoughts on the information revealed last night about Governor Greitens and uh, his affair of three years ago. You don't want to talk about tax cuts? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, okay, this has been swirling for months, at least weeks, but no names were involved. There's just rumors, but there's always rumors about a lot of people in Jeff City. But yesterday, um, a few, like in the afternoon, things started, you started hearing some specific names. Basically, what happened is that, um, as your listeners already know, KMOV put up this. uh, ran with a TV report last night, then all heck broke loose here in the Capitol. Um, so this morning, the House was in session less than five minutes. They had a private caucus ahead of time, the Republican leadership and the Republican members. Uh, nobody's talking. Uh, Speaker Richardson put out a statement, which was almost identical to the one that the Senate President Pro Tem, Rob Richard, put out. The few, law- the few lawmakers who would talk to me off the record Nobody wants to be recorded on this. Is they're basically waiting to see if any other shoes drop, um, and also, so they and they all want to see if the governor comes forward with any additional information. Uh, now, one of the downsides for Governor Greitens is that there's a lot of lawmakers for various issues reasons who are not who who are not fans of his, and these are Republicans. So that's one of the reasons that you had several members of the state senate today. Republicans and Democrats who announced that they're going to be calling on um, Missouri Attorney General Josh Hawley to look into the allegations by this um, by the unnamed ex-husband that there was uh, attempted blackmail involved. Now, complicating all this, as you know, is that the woman is has doesn't want to be interviewed, was not aware she was being recorded by the guy who was then or still still her husband. And so some of this is all hearsay. A lot of it's hearsay. So some lawmakers, especially the Republicans, are just kind of wanting to see what happens in the next four or five days. And uh, then I think, I think they want to see, you know, if things calm down or not. This reminds me in some ways of the whole uh, thing that broke in 97 with uh, then-President Bill Clinton when the first reports came out about his alleged relationship with an intern. If you recall, there was calls at the beginning for him to step down. He didn't do it. And then it, this went on for months, and then gradually it took on a whole different um, uh, angle. And in the end, he didn't step down. Now, some would say whether it's good or bad, but the point is this reminds me a little bit of that. We, we've had a discussion before you joined us about uh, you know his political potential beyond the governorship. Uh, I think most people would think that uh, as this story is being played now, as we know it now, any national political ambitions uh, are are probably um, pretty unlikely. Well, you never know because, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, our our current president is a Republican who's been married three times and who, you know, has been accused of things. Again, he has denied them all. So I'm not alleging anything by President Trump. But the point being is that... Um, Sexual misconduct no, no longer seems to be a disqualifying factor. 
But I think it does make it more difficult for Governor Eric Greitens. Just his admission that he had an affair. Um, Some of his um, campaign um, operatives are close to Lieutenant Governor, I mean, uh, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, um, who's from Indiana, my home state. Pence is extremely, uh, an extreme social conservative. In fact, there's been reports about how he won't, you know, be alone with any woman who's not his wife uh, for even a, even a luncheon. And so any, so people like that within the Republican ranks are going to look very askance just on the fact that Greitens has admitted that he's had an affair, forgetting this other more salacious stuff, which I want to emphasize, as I'm sure my colleagues have, uh, the governor has not admitted to. And so he's not, he's claiming that some of the stuff that's out there is totally false. So, um, but just the mere fact that he has admitted that he did have an affair, it's going to make it more difficult for him. But in these days, I wouldn't say it's totally disqualifying. You got to wait and see. You know, I, yeah. I would give it the next week to kind of see how things settle out. We uh, we took the question to the man and woman on the street, if you will, and asked folks to share their thoughts about what's going on via voicemail. And uh, we have a representative sampling now of what people have been telling us. Hello, my name is Gary, and I'm from University City. Regarding Governor Greitens' State of the State address and the revelation of his affair, it's ridiculous that Democrats are calling for Governor Greitens to resign because of the affair he conducted. But... Mr. Greitens' alleged behavior toward his partner, if true, if he threatened her, puts him in the Harvey Weinstein class, and that would be reason he should resign or be removed from office. Hi, my name is Margaret, and I live in St. Louis. First of all, I would urge you to not call the Governor Greitens' revelations an extramarital affair. What it sounds like is blackmail. That's very important. And there may be even an assault component with that as well, including taking a woman's picture against her will and then threatening her with blackmail. My name is Thomas Briner. I am sickened by the fact that Governor Greitens has been admitted to a uh, affair, especially in light of his family values and you know, it, it's it's a theme, it seems to be, with the Republicans, and um, I'm just tired of it. I think he should resign. Well, that's what the uh, man and woman on the street are saying about the Greitens affair, Jason Rosenbaum. Uh, not surprising reaction. A story like this is going to get a lot of attention and a lot of comment. It is, and it's already getting national attention. Sure. Um, it's not only because Greitens had national ambitions, but any time it's involving sexual misconduct, especially now that the Me Too movement has become top of mind for people, um, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prompt a lot of strong feelings. And I, and I, I, I just want to add that I think that the second caller's point about the, the blackmail allegations is probably the reason why people are calling him to resign. I think the reason why journalists like myself are being extra careful is the woman has not actually said that what she said on that tape happened. And again, I'm making this clear for like the 30th time. I'm not saying I don't believe her. I'm just saying that she was not interviewed for this story, and she has not gotten the opportunity to tell her side of the story, and I'm not even sure if she wants to. So I think that's that's been something that's been discussed a lot in the St. Louis 
and Missouri journalism circles, for sure. Joe, anything you want to add on this particular story? Because I think we probably ought to spend a little time talking about the state of the state, which uh, certainly involves all of us. Uh, but with regard to the, the big story out of last night, uh, what do you have to add? Yeah, I mean, I think the key point is that, A, the woman has not come forward. She has not verified what's on that audio or that it represents her true feelings or her true account. You don't know if the audio was vetted for making sure it wasn't edited, whatever. I think this is somebody else telling somebody's, I mean, this is her story to tell, not her ex-husband's story to tell. I'm not defending the governor at all, but I'm just saying that people need to uh, remember that point. But when you're dealing with all this happening just hours after the governor's state of the state address, it's going to make it very shifting into that. I mean, he was calling for a new round of tax cuts. And uh, at the same time, the state is still trying to adjust to the tax cuts that were approved several years ago that are still being phased in and the federal tax cuts that just began. And the state's already uh, downgraded the amount that it expects to get during the current fiscal year by about $150 million because of these cuts. Um, all of that, which is a serious issue of itself, all, the, all of a sudden gets into a backdrop over the... Um, fair allegations, because it, no matter what, whether he stays or goes, it's going to be very difficult for him to advance his agenda, at least in the short term. I mean, it just is. Any sense that, that he knew this was coming before that address last night? I'm not sure. As I said, I had some really good sources who were talking to me yesterday afternoon who were giving me names and stuff like that that I had never had before. Uh, I mean, it became more specific. He made a point of you know, introducing his wife and doing some other stuff. Um, it's unclear. He may have had some uh, sense of it before the speech. He was spotted. He and his security team were spotted in the GOP offices, which are just down the street. So it's unclear if this was part of the discussion or if it was just other unrelated stuff. Um, so I'm not sure. But frankly... Okay, if this happened several years ago, and this was before, he, he kicked off his campaign. I covered it in September 2015. And he was highlighting family values, the fact that he was a husband and a father. That's a key phrase in almost every speech he gives, and all this other stuff. If he knew that this was in the backdrop, um, that does raise some questions. There's also questions about why none of his Republican rivals, some of whom had some of the, na the top national Republican consultants, uh, people who are known for getting into people's backgrounds, um, they didn't come up with this. Because I think if they had, one of them would have spilled it. So it does raise some questions there about uh, the whole 2016 campaign. J Jason, I'm reminded of the uh, 2016 campaign commercial of the governor, uh, the candidate at the time, pushing the stroller with his child and his wife at his side. I, and, I, and I think that that is why people... Aside from the blackmail allegations, which is probably the main reason people are yeah. calling for his resignation, they see the image that the governor put forward, and now they're seeing a completely different reality. And I think people are just genuinely disappointed by that. Now, the statement said that they work through it as a family and that their marriage is strong now. I have no reason to believe that isn't true. Hmm. Um Again, I think that this this revelation makes you question his judgment. But if 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 Eric and Sheena Greitens manage to 
know this and move on, then people have to respect that decision. That's beyond politics, and I think that needs to be emphasized you, here. You, of course, anchored our, our coverage of the State of the State Address last night. Uh, one of the things I've heard this morning that has dealt actually with the address and not, not the affair is that the speech itself was considered unexceptional. I think it was more notable for what wasn't in there. There was no talk about fixing roads. There was no talk about his budget because he didn't introduce it, which is traditionally what governors do. There was no talk about, for example, bringing health care services, in-home health care services back to poor and elderly Missourians that lost it last year. There were just really no discussion on things and problems in Missouri that require money to fix. And, you know, the governor has talked about doing different a lot and, and tackling big problems. But there seems to be a reluctance among both the governor and some legislators to actually say, we're going to take the political risk and we are going to raise gas taxes to fix mm-hmm. roads. We're going to find another way to fund co- colleges and universities besides general revenue dollars that can be cut. We're going to try to figure out a way to make sure that the poorest Missourians among us can have health care if they need it. Like, I understand it's a Republican legislature in a Republican state, but it seems like those are issues actual people care about, and they are being talked about by some people. I don't want to say it's not being talked about. It's just it wasn't mentioned in the speech, and it was noticeable. Joe, your thoughts? Uh, unexceptional state of the state address? I don't know if I'd go that far. He had some moving rhetoric. He talked about George Washington Carver. He emphasized his support for uh, police and for veterans, and he made some specific uh, proposals about what he thinks need to be done to bolster um, protections for police, which actually caused some, you could see, some split within the audience um, because he didn't talk about any of the reforms or changes that some uh, lawmakers and sanitary activists want to make, which they believe will make police more accountable. And he kind of glossed over that instead of saying that they were being harassed by extremists. And, and he used that word. Uh, so he took, he definitely, I think, was trying to make certain points. So I wouldn't say that it was lackluster. I would say definitely it was different because we are generally used to a governor laying out their budget proposals, laying out their objectives, saying how much they're going to spend on education, how much they're going to do here, how much they're going to do on roads, what, what taxes they want increased and why, or what, or what taxes they want to cut and why. And he didn't do any of that. I mean, there was no budget briefing uh, before the speech, which is kind of the, the tradition here, where you sit with the budget director for 45 minutes, the whole press corps does, and they go through the nitty-gritty and give you like a 500-page document. And none of that happened. Uh, the governors uh, and his staff plan to unveil his budget next week, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying it's different. Yeah. But, but it did then, I think, offer – I mean, A, he, he kept emphasizing this tax cut, additional tax cut he wants to do. That was his big message. And then this whole other personal problems that showed up a few hours later – I think it made it easier for that to overwhelm his speech because his speech was with either proposals and very few specifics. Jason, what uh, do you want to add to that? Um, I I do want to add again, and I mentioned this uh, earlier in the show, although Eric Greitens and Mike Parson are Republicans, 
they do have differences of opinion on policy that are actually pretty significant and on, on transportation spending, on, again, low-income housing tax credits. I'm sure that he would have dealt with appointments a lot differently than the governor. So it's not going to be a situation in this case where if the governor Greitens ends up resigning and his Republican lieutenant governor takes his place, that it's like one person with similar policy goals is replaced by someone who's very similar. There, there will be some big differences between the two. And frankly, um, as we mentioned, on, mentioned throughout this show, Greitens has had a lot of problems dealing with the legislature and getting along with people. Uh, Mike Parson is, while not universally loved, is renowned for his people skills and could actually become quite successful if he becomes governor. We're going to have to leave it at that, folks. I want to thank you both so much for being with us. Joe Manis in Jefferson City and Jason Rosenbaum here in studio. Our thanks also to Marshall Griffin, who was uh, with us during the earliest part of this conversation. It's a story everybody in this room and in this building is going to be watching, obviously, very, very closely. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 AWMU.